I want to bring Dan Deming in right away. He's the managing director at KKM Financial. Dan, we were just talking about how we were expecting a bit of a weak durable goods orders number. It came in significantly lower than expected. Uh, I'm sure you haven't had much time to look at this one, but down 2.2% from 1.6 prior. They were looking for a decline of 0.5%. I mean, this is a big miss and not what we wanted to see. Yeah, Ben, across the board, I did get a chance to glance at them briefly, and it looks like either core and the headline numbers were all much lower than what was anticipated. As it looks to me as well that they were all in the negative camp. Uh, so, yeah, this is not a good sign from a short-term perspective. It's certainly a notch in the uh, minus side as far as economic activity. <clears throat> but, you know, there, it, it, as far as its significance, I don't know, the impact right now is a little bit of selling pressure in the equity March futures markets. We'll see if that holds. But, um, you know, it's, it's not a great number, but one number does not set a trend. And uh, I did see that the uh, weekly jobless claims came in below 200,000. So that was uh, that's an uptick from a, uh, a weekly numbers standpoint. Okay, you know, and that kind of gets me to my next point here, and we're looking at the ES right now. It is coming off a little bit, but I think you're right here. We're still up a third of a percent, so not, maybe not necessarily uh, something that's going to weigh on us too much here today. And, and to your point, initial jobless claims at 187,000, better than the 212 we were looking for, prior revised to 215. Uh, here you can see the durable goods orders, though. The top line, again, is mentioned down 2.2%, and you mentioned some of the other lines, again, missing expectations, negative and well below prior levels. But, you know, Dan, I was going to ask you about uh, some of the data. I mean, not as robust as it could be, but really coming off lofty levels, I guess one could argue. And, you know, for many ways, globally, the numbers have been very much mixed. I mean, we're looking at our numbers that just came out of the U.S. here this morning. But overnight, I noticed, for example, Australia's flash PMI numbers showed uh, really good strengthening uh, uh, levels, while the U.K. flash PMI, for example, is kind of mixed. We saw some PMI numbers out of Europe as well and Japan. I mean, we'll pull those here in just a second. But uh, globally, again, kind of mixed is my point. Yeah, they are uneven, and I think that's going to continue to be the case uh, just due to the fact that there is so much undulation, I think, within uh, the economy from a global perspective. You know, you've got China continuing to uh, fight through another flare-up in COVID, uh, and how they're managing it this time is a little bit different than they have in the past, but nonetheless, it's having a significant impact there. Uh, you know, you got other parts of the globe. Look at Brazil, for example, mm -hmm. where, you know, you got the stock market up 30 percent this year. And, you know, in, in the bottom line has been, I think that when you look at the general trends in the market and, I, and we look at the currencies, you know, it's the net exporters that are benefiting from the current mm -hmm. trends and, and their currencies are rep being represented by that fact. And so when you talk about Australia having strong numbers, New Zealand having strong numbers, you know, those currencies have benefited from the fact that they do hold a substantial amount of, uh, you know, uh, natural resources that they can export. And, and this at this time, it's very, you know, obviously it's beneficial to them where net importers are struggling. Uh, you know, Japan, the Japanese yen is at what, six-year lows or, uh, you know, the weakest in six years against the dollar. And we're seeing a European currency struggle as well. Yeah, you know, actually, I wanted to uh, just pull up a couple charts here to speak to that point here. The Australian dollar, again, we're actually looking at uh, the hourly time frame, just looking at the last couple weeks here going back. It's seen a strong run up here. On the other hand, though, take a look at the Japanese yen. To your point, Dan, I mean, lower again today. This is one that's been continuing significantly lower. Actually, we're going to be trading this in just a couple minutes here. So I'm glad you brought that to our attention in terms of some of the other 
currencies here. I mean, I guess when you look at this, it really speaks to, as you mentioned, the uh, you know impact that this has had on well different economies in different uh, regions globally here, and again the uh, you know kind of disparity that we're seeing here. Talk to us about uh, the move up that we've seen in rates this week here in the U.S. I mean, a uh, sharp move with that hawkish tone from Fed Chair Jerome Powell to begin the week, and some of the comments from some of the Fed speakers this week uh, seems like that openness to a half point rate hike at the May meeting is uh, kind of spreading a little bit. Sure is. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're they're walking it up. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it does appear that that is firmly on the table right now. Uh, and uh, but at the same time, you know, if we start to see a big shift in some of these numbers as far as economic activity, that could cause a little pause in the second half of the year. And I do think that that's a very high probability. Uh, and any kind of moderation in inflation would also, I think, halt the uh, the trajectory of the hikes. But it does appear at this point that the, the Fed has made a determination that they need to be tougher and they're going to talk tougher and and also uh, potentially act tougher if we see uh, this thing come off in May where they do raise 50 basis points. But, you know, the Fed has uh, been very, I mean, from my perspective, transparent in the last several years. And there's pluses and minuses to that. But uh, he has very rarely surprised the market. Mm -hmm. So if he's walking us up to a 50 basis point hike with the expectation, then, you know, then their odds are they're going to fall through on that. And, mm. you know, they, they're fighting inflation right now. And as you and Michael pointed out, the jobs market continues to be very strong. And the economy here, for the most part, has been pretty active as well, given the situation that we're dealing with on a couple of different fronts. So uh, they feel like they, they're in a position to continue to uh, try to normalize rates. And, uh, and so far, the reaction in the equity markets has been relatively uh, positive. I mean, I know that that's not necessarily one the driving factor of their their decisions, but we know, Ben, over the years, even though they say they don't watch the market, they watch the market. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and the, and so far, the market's taken it in stride. Well, I'd agree with you in terms of, and we're looking at that right now, where we've got rates on the top half of the screen, the 30-year on the top left corner, the 10-year on the top right corner, which have been on the move higher. Uh, amidst those inflationary pressures, the Fed's hawkish tone recently, and uh, 50 or a quarter base points aside, it sounds like we're going to get one and potentially at every meeting this year. And here you can see the indices have come off those Jan highs, but they have been recovering over the last couple of weeks here as they've yep. come off the lows from last week. Dan, did I pick up on a hint of skepticism in terms of uh, the tone in your voice there as far as rates and their ability to sustain this trajectory to the upside? Well, you and I have been talking for months, and I, uh, I have not left the, the camp of uh, that they're not going to do seven hikes this year. Okay. So I'm still firmly in the camp that it's going to be maybe four. Uh, and then I think things will shift in the next few months that will probably have them walking things back a little bit. That's my perspective. I could be wrong. But, um, you know, I've, I have not wavered in my belief that it's going to be difficult for them to do seven or hikes this year. Uh, I, I think that they felt that the market was in a situation and a position where they could talk tough and put it out there in, in much more hawkish tone to try to, uh, you know, basically have an impact on some of the situations that we're dealing with right now, on the, particularly on the inflation front with the uh, intention of hopefully walking that back in the second half of the year if things do start to moderate. And I still feel that that's, that's what they're doing here. Uh, and if it does play out that way, um, then, you know, then the, market, the, the, the equity market should benefit from that. And the fact that the equity markets got through this hawkish tone 
relatively uh, unscathed for the most part. I mean, you know, we're still down the year, but we're certainly higher from where he had made those announcements. And um, and and I mean, maybe there's that that contrarian type of uh, thought process here that hey, if the Fed feels like they can move, uh, you know, more aggressively, that maybe the economy is in better position mm -hmm. than a lot of people perceive on the surface. That was one of the things Powell talked about in terms of, and you mentioned his transparency. I've been kind of leaning on that as a backdrop, as many people have, investors and traders. But Powell spoke to that point again in terms of uh, the rate hike. Uh, at the last meeting being a reflection of how the Fed feels like the economy is strong enough and can handle that. Uh, Dan, uh, in terms of uh, as we move through this week, I saw consumer sentiment, I saw uh, a couple other smaller data points here, but into the next couple weeks here, what should we be watching as far as rates and uh, obviously a market that's been very headline driven? Well, yeah, I think, well, watch the yield curve. I mean, that gets a lot of talk, and it's, and rightly so. Uh, you know, it continues to flatten, although it has uh, shown some moderation here recently. Uh, I, you know, that's something that it gives clues as to how uh, the expectations are over the next few years, and then that certainly could impact the price action within the markets. You know, so I think that, you know, yields are pushing up here, and, and you know, we'll see that shifting dynamic as different uh, data points come out and as we get further Fed speak uh, as we move into next week, Ben. But also, I think the bigger thing that I'm watching right now, and it's something that I know that you guys like to uh, watch very closely, uh, are the technicals in the equity markets. You know, mm -hmm. we're seeing uh, the potential for a reversal here in some of the major indexes. Uh, SPX is teetering on the 200-day moving average. Yeah. And the Nasdaq's trying to scrape above the 50-day moving average. Hasn't been able to do that for six plus months, but you know we're pushing back up towards the top end of the range. And the Russell's now above a 50-day moving average, still below 200-day moving average. But we are seeing a shift in those trends. And if we, if the SPX is able to get back above the 200 and the 50-day moving average starts to turn back up, then maybe you know the worst is behind us. Yeah, it does seem like uh, recent passage dips below these key averages have been short-lived. We'll see if uh, they can muster up the strength to get it going again here. One last question here, Dan. I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. Did you get a look at the 20-year uh, bond auction yesterday, and if so, the results? I did not. So okay. I'm just going to – I'm not going to pretend like I did. Uh, I did not, but I. Uh, what was the situation, Ben? I mean, that's a, that's a very illiquid bond, and that's yeah. why when you look at the well, yields – that's why I, I mean, asked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh, because the illiquidity there. I mean, that's why the 20-year and the 30-year have been inverted for a substantial amount of time here, while long before some of the other middle of the curve inversions, uh, because of the lack of liquidity is one of the bigger drivers why it demands a, a higher yield. So uh, how how did it play out? Uh, actually, I didn't get a look either. That's why I was asking. I thought, <laughs> thought maybe you had. I just remembered that there had been one, in it, and it was something that uh, kind of flew below my radar. But I'll check after the show here, Dan. And this All was right. a good breakdown in terms of uh, a look at the numbers and some of the currencies, financial markets in general. Thanks for giving us part of your Thursday. Dan Deming, the managing director at KKM Financial, joining us to talk financial markets here.